You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. We here at the Broadway Podcast Network love to promote each other's work. So today, John Schwab and I have teamed up to give you a crossover episode of our podcasts. First, I'll interview John for my podcast, Burying It All with Call Me Adam, so we can find out how he got his start acting, directing, and podcasting. Then, we'll flip the mic, and I'll be on an episode of John's podcast, Curtain Call, specifically his series, Take Your Bow, where John gives theater professionals the opportunity to step into the spotlight, take their bow, and discuss how they got their start in the industry. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Well, first of all, for my listeners, uh, let me give them a little introduction to who you are. I mean, you're an actor, you're a director, you're a voiceover artist, you are a podcast host, you do it all. I try. I try. I don't like to sit still, Adam. (laughs) Well, let's let's just start at the beginning, which my favorite expression is a very good place to start. It is. How did you get into acting? So when I, my first memory of wanting to be an actor was um, when I went to, it was in grade school, and we went to go see The Princess and the Pea. Like, we went to the theater, and it it was this massive cavernous room. Now, this is the first time theater really got me. Uh, And I didn't say I want to, at that moment, I didn't go, I want to be an actor right now. But there was something magical. Like, they had this bed stacked so high with mattresses, and all I could think of was like, she's you know, and and the, I just from from like the next year they were announcing they were going to do some singing at school, and I think it was in second grade. And we did it's it, it, I sang Happiness from Your Good Man Charlie Brown, and and afterwards everybody applauded, and all the teachers and the parents came up afterwards and they're like, "You're so that was amazing," and all these other things, and I thought, "Wow, okay, that is um." That's pretty cool. People, if you go up on stage, you act like a goofball and you sing, they they clap and they cheer. And it, I kind of did the school concerts and things like that. But it wasn't until high school where I really decided that it was something, things, I started relating to acting performances, as it were. I mean, I, I, I'm a military brat, so I grew up all over the world. I didn't have a lot of theater, but I graduated school in California in 29 Palms. And I just started going to to see a bit of theater here and there. And it really, it really just made me sit back and think, is this something you might want to consider? And, and it, it just, I suppose it was like 14, 15, 16, where I really thought, yeah, this is, this is where I want to go. In addition to theatrical acting, you've done, you've done some television and sure. film as well. Yeah. Okay. So what do you, what do you like about the different genres of, of acting. So I love the pay of movie and TV. <laughs> I love the immediacy of the stage. I love being able to tell a story from beginning to end from when you walk into the theater and then you leave. Um, so th- I I like them. You know, I, my first love is theater. I absolutely love and adore theater. And if, if I was to be offered two jobs at the same time, I'd re- and it was, it, it would only be a a decision of oh my gosh do i do i pay the rent for 
you know, six <laughs> months or do I, do I choose happiness? And more often than not, I choose happiness. And is, what is it about the stage acting that you love over the film? Is it the, the live applause, the interaction with the audience? Well, I think it could be that euphoric recall of that, you know, second grader who was getting that applause. But mm-hmm. I also, it is the interaction with the, the audience and the, this, it's, it's being there, the live, that anything can happen. I spent many years in the Reduce Shakespeare Company in this country um, on the Western stage and, and, you know, Piccadilly Circus. And that was a lot of audience interaction. And I, I lived for that. And I still do. Um, I also enjoy doing the, the readings and the workshops and creating something absolutely then and there. Um, and knowing that I also enjoy the ephemeral um, aspect of it, that it's it's gone once you've done it. And if you haven't mm-hmm. been there to see it or to watch it or or kind of gone into the this a room with a bunch of strangers and entered a contract to sit there and be quiet and be entertained for an hour and a half, two hours, three hours, whatever it is, um, I lo- that's what I love more more than anything is that and also what happens in a in a movie set is that you all go to your separate trailers and there's green rooms and everyone's kind of split and everything else the green room in a in a in a theater is is just populated by everybody that's working on that show it doesn't matter there's a real family um the the first time you really ever see the entire company for a film is is on the press screening or or you know the cast and crew screening I did trust on in television with with Danny Boyle, and there was you know you're in it for I was in it for I mean I spent nine weeks flying back and forth to Rome, and Hillary wow. Swank, Hillary Swank and I played husband and wife in that, and and it was um I mean it was you you did kind you at of least see get to other. see her oh god yeah yeah <laughs> yeah terrible terrible yeah uh, got to you know. Get a little birthday kiss. I'm a birthday. My wife hates Aww. that, you know. Um, yeah, we had a snogging scene. You see, a little kissing scene on my birthday. Uh, oh, that's which, so cool. <laughs> but no, it was get. You do it end up being in 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 um, in, in films and things where you d- really don't see people that much, other than when you're on set. Yes, yes. I mean, I love I love Hillary Swank. She's what, great. She's what, one of the what, nicest what, people. She, yeah, I was gonna say she seems like one of the really nice, down to earth uh, actresses. She really is, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little story. I don't think I've ever told many people outside families. That's but... the premise of my of my podcast okay. is that I get my guests to reveal things that they've never talked about before. So this is perfect. So it was. People have people have their. Uh, you always respect artists' space and things like that because you know know what their process is, Adam. So on the first day of shooting, obviously we had done the table read. So you know I was there with Hillary and and Brendan Fra- um, uh, Brendan Fraser and um, and Danny Boyle and uh, and Simon Beaufoy. And, and so it was that you know it was a real tight unit for that day of rehearsals and things like that. But when you shoot, it's a completely different thing. And so there were two. We were shooting this beautiful um, house, this massive um, villa outside of Rome. And it's where they sh- shot a few Bond films. And, you know, we each had our rooms and things like that. And there was a, they set this little room aside that was kind of off one of them. It was, they call it the green room. And um, so I kind of went up there for a bit and Hillary and I were sitting in the room. And then one, one of the Italian assistants came up and said, um, Hillary likes it quite quiet when she shoots and things like that. And I was like, well, 
that, well, that's that's absolutely fine she, if she likes rest. And so we spent the entire first day me going to another green room. And then after lunch, Hillary came up to me and she said, did I did I say anything? Uh, did, you know, are you okay? I was like, yes. Yeah. She said, why, why haven't you come back? And I said, oh, it's because one of the Italian assistants said that you wanted to be left alone. She said, no, that's not, that's not the, the truth. She said, Def, by all means, come and hang out. And I mean, that was, and so th- that's, that's so kind lame. of what happened the first. Yes. And that's the way she is, man. She's, she's yeah. a, a lovely, lovely, lovely uh, woman and actor and everything else i mean god you can't help but be better when you act opposite somebody like that no of course of course and was this um was this uh post um when you worked with her was this post boys don't cry and yes yeah so this was this was two years ago um oh wow and uh yeah so this was um a big it kind of went out on um fx uh channel and it was their kind of big summer release in 2018 oh that's incredible did you ask her anything about the next Karate Kid or being on Beverly Hills 90210? No, I didn't. I, sh- I should have. Oh, yeah. Next time. <laughs> Sorry, next time. Adam. Yeah, next time she's in town. <laughs> so now I'm going to move back to where I was going with the okay. moving from acting to directing. How sure. did that come to be? So when I was in the Renew Shakespeare Company, which I, I mentioned, um, we wanted to do some short films. There were a lot of funny guys on that or in that um, company. And we started doing short films, started writing some sketch stuff and and started just creating. And and that kind of moved me into the directing and film directing. So Mm. I've, I've done, um, I've done quite a lot of short films. Um, I'm an award-winning filmmaker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I won uh, moving pictures, magazines, short film of the year, I think in 2000 and, six or something or 2008 or oh, something that's exciting. like that which was nice um um which was a uh, a short film called the applicant which um the now disgraced kevin spacey uh did for me um mm-hmm. he, he provided the voiceover for it but uh um it was it was great but that kind of moved me into then starting to direct workshops of plays and um and then it just kind of builds from that. I, I love being able to direct from the point of having been an actor for so long as well, because I tend to do things slightly differently, I think, than other directors I've worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a little, it depends on if it's a comedy or a drama or whatever, but I tend to get things on their feet f- straight away. I don't do a lot of table work unless it's really heavy, unless, you know, would do a general consensus, but I like, I like to kind of get up and play. Yeah. I would, I would, that was actually something I was just about to ask you. Now, how do you go from acting to directing to podcasting? So I am a co-founder of a business called Curtain Call. You know, we have the Curtain Call Theater Podcast. We have a website that allows anyone who's involved in the theater industry to have a profile, to show their work, to share their work, their, their kind of um, their credits and everything starts connecting. When we, that, that's where we are now. The whole company started with a book called Curtain Call, A Year Backstage in London Theatre. Now, I had an idea one day that we would, uh, I'd like to produce a book that showcased life backstage as I knew it from the wings out. Um, Mm. So I was showing my sons, again, going back to the Reduce Shakespeare Company, it all kind of stems from there. I was showing them some photographs of me uh, and my mates there who uh, that were taken by a friend of mine who came back to to record a day in the life of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. 
And my, my kids said, oh, more, more, more. And I thought, actually, you know what? I don't have any more pictures of me backstage working. And I, I, was, I constantly work. And, you know, I had done tons of shows and, and been on, you know, numerous West End stages by that point. And I thought, okay, I got nothing. Um, why don't we create a book? This would be amazing. And if we get 10 shows, it'd be fantastic. Well, um, I went to Matt Humphrey, my co-founder and business partner, and he is the best backstage theater photographer Um I have to say hello, Michael Kushner. I know you're listening. Um, but Matt is oh, the, we love Michael. Yeah, I know. He's done a great stuff, and I've seen his photographs. Um, he's got, he and Matt should get together and, and, and work. But he, Matt has got an incredible eye because he started out backstage as a flyman. And so he used to take pictures backstage during shows, and they were incre- they're incredible, Adam. They're absolutely incredible. So we, when, when we did this book, we were going to need some accompanying text. So what I would do, and what you can't do, I know, in New York because of the unions, but I would go backstage during a show and have my field, my Zoom field recorder, and I would talk to the actors from the half all the way through the show. If they were off stage, I would be talking to them and interviewing them, and which is insane. Like, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so when we did, we published the book. It did great, sold out. We did four and a half thousand copies of this massive uh, coffee wow. table book. It's a beautiful thing. Um, and... And I thought, God, we got to have a, we, we must start a pie that we have all this audio that we're not using. So I started a podcast and that was four and a half years ago. And, you know, we're mm-hmm. on episode 150 plus all the bonus episodes. And so then people started listening and, you know, come from away, commissioned us to do their backstory. And so it, that, it, and I just love podcasts though, Adam. I, I know you do, you've been around a while doing podcasts and you've been doing yes. that. So I love the art form. I love talking to people. Yes, I agree. I agree. It's really fun. Um, I, I mean, I do like it. I almost like it better than video. Um, I definitely like it better than a phone interview. Yeah. Um, it's it's fantastic. And and it lends itself to like drifting off to other areas, you know, and then coming back and then going off the road again. It's yeah. It's really it's so much fun. Yeah. I mean, I we were lucky enough because Matt and I have been theater professionals that the access that we got was incredible. Society of London mm-hmm. Theater found out what we were doing and said, you know, they got us more access than we thought we would get. And we we just basically carried on. So now we do a lot of NT Lives stuff. Um, or we're doing until the this pandemic kind of shut us right. down. And um, so we continued to do that and, and will continue to do that. It's, you know, this is just a, a hiatus at the moment. Broadway, West End, regional theaters will bounce back because we all need, we all need theater to to escape. Uh, and and it always, theater has always been there. Yes, it has been. Priceline presents Go to Your Happy Price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? 
Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Febreze is a proud partner of Can't Cancel Pride. However you choose to express yourself, Febreze has the perfect scent to make your home even more fabulous in your own unique way. Have an amazing pride from Febreze. I mean, speaking of which, since we are talking during the pandemic, what what is life like for you in London? What's, what have you been doing while you've been home? What's sure. going out like over there? So it was really interesting for us because um, I know that New York... Um, there was, I think it was the 12th of March, there was just a, a hard stop. It was like, you guys aren't going on. Right. This is stopping. So I thought, oh, wow. Uh, okay. At, on the 17th of of March, um, that was when uh, we, well, I think it was the, the Monday, the 16th, 17th of March, Boris Johnson said, right, we're not closing everything down, but you should avoid theaters, restaurants, pubs. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, immediately so that was the monday it was like uh okay and then on the tuesday you know i had i had work i was doing a new reading for bill bryson he's a an author he's got a play they're they're doing his book we were doing that the theater royal haymarket in the west end there was a ton of things i was about to do and um that all just got shut so Mm. that was then um on the 26th we then got the proper lockdown kind of that is happening and then uh we've just been extended by three weeks so we're figuring out i'm i'm watching a lot of nt live re um rebroadcasts and the show must go on andrew lloyd weber i there are things like the theater cafe are doing live stuff there they leave a light on series by the theater cafe here in london when you guys come back to london when you when everybody comes over um go to the theater cafe they've moved they were in a tiny little place um the last time I remember kind of seeing that was Kristen Chenoweth was doing a book signing. It was mental. It's wow. such it was a tiny little thing. Now they've moved a star a big Starbucks is closed down. They've gone in there. They're fantastic. I love the theater cafe in London. It is one of the best places to go get rainbow cake, is which is amazing. Mm. And um, oh, I love they do, rainbow oh. cake. And they have like memorabilia and all kinds of posters on the walls and pictures, and they have props from the West End shows. It's a great place. Oh, that's so great. Well, I've never been to London, so that will definitely be a stop. Well, when, you'll um, have to come. I come over. You come yes. over and um, you can stay at the house. We have guest bedrooms, Adam. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, great. Perfect. Done. 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 Um, all right. So I came up with a game that we could play, too. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yes. So it's inspired by the segment on your podcast, Take Your Bow. Yep. So, um, and on that segment, you give theater professionals a chance to take their bow, whether they're um, from the dresser to the sound mixer to That's the right. director, the writer, the actor, everybody in the theater. Yeah. So these questions are sort of based on you taking your bow. Who do you still want to take your bow alongside? Robert Sean Leonard, right? Dead Poet Society. Yeah. It's the one oh. that really got me. That movie, I was a senior in high school and... I wept openly in the cinema and embarrassed myself. Um, I got to meet him um, when he came and did To Kill a Mockingbird here in the West End. He was at Regent's Park uh, Open Air Theater, and then he went to the Barbican in the West End. And I got to interview him for the book. And I 
had to say he was one of the reasons I decided to become an actor and why I had the balls to do it. And that wow. it was because my dad, I actually said to my dad, it's like, I want to be an actor. And in that film, his he gets pushed back and he, you know, obviously, no, spoiler, it doesn't turn out great. But my dad said, son, I've seen you. you and my dad's like a, a Marine Corps colonel. And he uh-huh. said, son, I've seen you on stage. You would make me a proud father if you went to the military but go and act. You're good. And, and that was, and I told Robert Sean Leonard that story and he was just like, Oh my God, it was, it was great. So, um, the other, other, um, I would love to take a bow alongside, um, (laughs) I I mean, it's it's cliche. It must be, but Meryl Streep would be amazing. I'd love to do a play Mm -hmm. with Meryl Streep because I just think everything she does is fucking gold. Mm -hmm. Um, and the other one, and I'll tell you why here's here's another story. Here's another story. And I don't think I've put this out on a podcast ever. But um, I was, um, the reason why we talked about Kevin Spacey, I was his understudy uh, in Speed the Plow. And I was his understudy in um, in National Anthems uh, as well. That was his first show at the Old Vic. But I understudied him um, and and Jeff Goldblum in Speed the Plow. Oh, wow. So my, my other person that I would love to take a bow properly with is Jeff Goldblum. And mm. I'll tell you why. And And I... Kevin Spacey has never, ever missed a performance in his life. I'm the only wow. person who has ever gone on for Kevin Spacey in a theater performance. He um, he just, he didn't show one day. It was very quiet backstage because he's quite loud. He was loud backstage. He mm-hmm. just, his warm-ups mm-hmm. were insanely loud. And about five minutes to, and, and here's the thing, Jeff Goldblum did every understudy rehearsal with us. He just showed up to the, wow. he, because he liked to play. He just, he just wanted to be there. So we were, we, he said, is there an understudy show? To, are we doing a little practice tomorrow? Are we doing it? And he would want us to do these. So by the time it came to do the show with him, I'd already done it 50 times with him mm-hmm. in, in, mm-hmm. in rehearsal. Um, but, uh, so that day, about uh, just about the five minutes before we got our beginners calls, you know, the just at the five, mm-hmm. the the company manager comes in and goes, "John, get dressed, you're on." And I was like, God, "Just a little bit of freaking time here would be <laughs> lovely." Um, so I got dressed and went, and it was the last midweek matinee before the show closed, and so I got mm-hmm. Emma Clifford, the lovely Emma Clifford. Um, Came, I said, Emma, you got to come. She's the understudy. Uh, and I said, you got to come listen to this noise. This is going to be something you've never heard before. And so uh, Jane Seymour, company manager, legendary company manager at the Old Vicks, went on stage and said, ladies and gentlemen, due to the sudden indisposition of Kevin Spacey, the role of Charlie Fox will today be played by John Schwab. And there was a woman in the front row who just went, no. And shouted no so loud. And Emma lost it because, like, you'd never heard anything like this. And the right, the whole right. audience, like twelve hundred people, burst out laughing. And Jeff and I were behind the scrim and couldn't see. And he just went, "Well, John, they can't hate you more than they do right now. So let's go have some fun." And we had a brilliant show. It was so much fun. Kevin, it's a three act play, um, Speed the Plow. And as I come off stage, Kevin's there. And he's like, thanks, oh, wow. thanks, John. He's like, thanks. And I, I, I said, um, I said, okay, Kevin, uh, get dressed. You're, you're going on. He's like, no, no, no. You start the show. You finish it. And I said, uh, I'm not going on, man. I said, they, they're not here to see me. They want to see you get dressed. You're going on. 
And he did. He went on. And uh, so I went back and changed my civvies. And, um, I and that, did that lady cheer? Yeah. <laughs> and so I got Emma. I got, it's like, Emma, come listen to this. This is a sound you're never going to hear again. So at the, act, the beginning of Act 3, when Kevin Spacey's character comes back on, is Act 2 is just between uh, was between the, the, the Bobby Gold, Jeff Goldblum, and, and Laura Michelle Kelly, who is a Broadway. Mm. She, was doing, she was the girl. She was the lady, mm. lady role, the actress in the play. And, and so Kevin comes in. He goes, oh, sorry, I'm late. Trap is a bitch. And you heard like this Scooby-Doo question mark come out of a thousand people's heads. They were like, huh? Huh? Oh, ah, ah, ah. And they, there was a weird, the weirdest applause, and and oh again, God. just laughter. So I went, I went back up, and I was back in my civvies. And the company manager Jane came up, and she said, "John, uh, get dressed. You're taking your bow." I was like, "No, I'm not going to take a bow." She's like, "John, I'm your company manager. Get dressed. You're going to take a bow." And uh, so I was like, oh God, this could be embarrassing. Cause I didn't want, you know, I, I did my job, uh, you know, and, and, um, and so I, I came down and the lights go down and up, you know, people were on their feet. Well, they weren't on their feet at that point. Cause this, this is the, this is what the, was the coolest fucking thing that's ever happened in my career at a curtain call. They were shout shouting. Of course there were a few people on their feet. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, as they were about to go, he's like, all right, we're all going to go out. And he said, and then he turned to Kevin and Laura Michelle and he said, uh, you guys stay here. And the curtain went up and Jeff Goldblum took me out onto the stage, put me center stage and walked off and let me take my bow center stage. And the entire audience got to their feet. And I'm not saying this is the big, this is not wow. ego thing, but it was the coolest fucking thing that he could have done for me. It was the, it was just, it was a mensch. I mean, it was just, the, it was so freaking cool. And, mm. and then they let me take my bow. And then I was joined by, by Kevin and Jeff and Laura Michelle. And it was just one of the coolest things. So I would love to be able to take my bow again with Jeff Goldblum for, to, to thank him at that point yeah. to say, you know, I've never told that story on a podcast. I don't think. Oh, I love that. Well, if he's listening, he has been thanked. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now was this the now when you did this show, was this pre Kevin Spacey scandal? Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, he, his fault so nobody from... had known anything. Uh, uh, publicly nobody had known anything. No, nobody knew anything it. by that yeah. point. Yeah. No, okay. And it was it was still, you know, everything was still rosy at the old Vic right. at that point. Right. Um, okay, so the next question is... That was a long other... answer. I'm so sorry, Adam. No, <laughs> I loved it. I love that story. And I love that it's also something that you've never told, which, yeah. again, is the whole point of my podcast. Okay. What other area of entertainment do you want to take your bow in? I would love to take my bow in a proper, like, West End or Broadway musical. I started out in rock and roll you know, Buddy um, Elvis, the concert they never gave. Mm-hmm. I have let my voice training slide, and this is me. And I would love to go back to do some vocal training and and do a proper musical, which I love musicals. I love them, love them, love them, love them. And I just had that thing where people are so good at them. Like people sing so beautifully. That I go, oh God, what's the point? They're so much better than I am. And I do the same where I'll just stick to the acting. So I would love to do that. Love to do that. 
That would be great. And it would be great to see you here in the States on oh, Broadway. I would l- forget it. That's, that's in, my, it's in my dream bucket list. Great. Great. And the last question of the game is, what is one project that you took your bow in creatively, non-acting, that you sort of now hold a candle to with every other project you take on? Yeah, that is such a good question. What a good oh, question. Thank you. Um, I'm really proud of the book that we've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt and I, I cannot tell you, when you have an idea... And you will know this because you've created something, you know, with your podcast and with, with your, you mean, you work hard. And when you have an idea, like, I think I'm going to do a podcast. No one realizes how much work there is in going into and putting these things on and, and making them a success. But the book with the book, like, I'd love to do a year backstage in London theater. And I wonder if some people would like to do it. And, you know, we, like I said, we started out thinking if 10, if 10 shows said yes, that they'd like to do it, it would be a success. We ended up doing 60 shows. Wow. And, you know, I got to speak to some of my heroes. You know, I got mm-hmm. to interview John Goodman. And mm. um, I got to interview... The same John Goodman that, does, that did Roseanne? Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and people, you know, like uh, that people that I worked with before, like Mark Strong and Damian Lewis and, mm-hmm. you know, Julie Walters and, uh, Harry, mm-hmm. and, and Harry Walden and Imelda Staunton and all these people that are just like heroes of the stage for me. And mm-hmm. sitting down with, you know, Michael C. Hall or Richard Eyre or all these amazing, amazing, amazing people that, and they, who said, yes, of course. And then seeing this beautiful book that that was just it came out about three months after the hamilton book came out and things so you know Mm, it was mm -hmm. but people put it in the same held it up to the same light and said this is look at this is just on a par with that book and you just i i I went yeah okay i'll take that i'll take that as a a very happy um a bow as it were that's incredible I have to show you, Adam. When I get over there, we'll br- we'll bring I, a copy. I, I told would, I would love to see a copy of that. Yeah, we have there's so, you can find them online if you want to. People sell them because we have completely sold out of our first run. If you know a publisher, if there wow. are any publishers listening that would love to license a second run, we're all ears. If if this was um if 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 I was on younger on TV Land, I would be like empirical, empirical, <laughs> publish it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Or maybe Sutton Foster can help. Maybe by playing someone in the publishing world, she knows of a publisher. Well, I hope she does. Sutton, if you're listening. Get in touch with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I always end my interviews, which you have already revealed things about yourself that you have not talked about in previous interviews. Yeah. But if there was something personal about yourself that you have not told in a previous interview, yeah. what would you share with me today? Oh, Wow. How deep do people go? Oh, I will give you the run of the gamut real yeah. quick. Uh, I mean, people have told me anything from um, like the deepest stuff has been um, uh, someone has revealed that they're anorexic. Yeah. Someone else has revealed that they ran away when they were a kid. Someone else revealed that they were going to kill themselves as a kid, but then yeah. they didn't really know how to do it. So they didn't do it. And other things have been... Um, some people don't feel comfortable talking about their personal life in interviews. Yeah. And then they just gave me the reason why they don't want to talk about yeah. it. Uh, so it's really a wide range. Yeah. 
I mean, so I, um, I would say like, what, God, I, you know, I, I, I have never publicly spoken about, um, mental health issues. And I think it's Mm -hmm. important to, I, I suffer from mental health issues. I was, I was diagnosed depressed. I Mm self-medicated with alcohol, Adam, um, which wasn't a good move. Um, I only recently began to be able to talk to people about that and, uh, kind of open up. And, um, and I think, you know, as, because I would want people to reach out to me the way I reached out to people for help. And I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed thinking I'm, I'm depressed and I'm, I'm really low and I can't, I have secrets. You know, I, I feel like I'm ashamed of um, like how I felt in the past and everything else. You know, it, it wasn't, it was just stuff that I was putting on myself and it was, mm-hmm. I was driving myself. Yeah. I, I didn't have the, here's the thing. I didn't have the balls to kill myself. But if a mm. bus jumped the curb and managed to hit me and run me over, I would have been okay with that. And wow. that's how bad I had got, you know, in, wow. a, in a place. And I couldn't talk to my parents. And I, or no, mm-hmm. here's the thing, Adam. I could have talked to my parents. I didn't talk to my parents. Mm-hmm. I didn't talk to my wife. I didn't talk to the people that I knew could keep me sane and very happy. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I would say, I've n- I've not that's this is something I've never revealed publicly yeah, to anybody and personal. you know I would say to anyone if if you needed someone to talk to like just get in touch with me you know look me up mm. John Schwab on Twitter Instagram Facebook it's all I I those are my handles at John Schwab you know um you know John Schwab actor gmail.com like if if it's that bad and you just need someone to chit chat to um, it is so important to have that in your life. And um, I'm comfortable with talking about that five years ago, six years ago, Adam, I wouldn't have, I, I would have been so ashamed of it. And it still hurts today, but yeah. I'm okay with saying it. Well, I'm glad you were comfortable enough to share that because it is important to know for people listening out there who are suffering from mental health issues, that there are other people out there who are going through it or have gone through it. And like, you were you were going through it. I'm sure it's still a daily battle, yeah. but you're here and you're able to talk about it. And um, there are places to get help. How, how did you come out of it? I mean, how did you? What finally brought you to the point to get help? I think I, I went to I went and got help um, th- therapy. You know, and I went mm-hmm. to I went to rehab to CBD. You know, um, uh, mm. CBT cognitive behavior therapy, and I stopped drinking. Um, which was a huge thing for me. Um, and the best thing I ever did, like literally the best thing I ever did. Uh, it's, it, it saved my life. Well, that's wonderful. I commend you for getting, finally getting the help that you needed to have the strength to, to reach out for it. And, um, anybody else listening, there are resources to get help. I mean, there's also the national, um, the national suicide prevention hotline. They're open 24 hours a day. And for gay and lesbian um, uh, teenagers, there's the Trevor Project. Um, so there's there's a lot of resources to, yeah. to help. And um, and here in the UK, the Samaritans, if you're ever feeling that low, call the Samaritans because they will talk mm-hmm. to you and they're there to listen. Oh, terrific. Terrific. Well, that's the whole interview. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> for burying it all with Call oh, Me Adam. Oh, my gosh. And um, thank you for, for doing it. And just so your listeners 
can know if they're looking for me online, of course, they can find me on the Broadway Podcast Network at Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. But on social media, it is at Call Me Adam NYC. And you can always find my website, uh, callmeadam.com. Amazing. Thanks, Adam. You're welcome. Thank you. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had him at all the clips for the business of show. Callmeadam.com. Thanks for listening. For more Call Me Adam interviews, visit callmeadam.com. And follow me on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CallMeAdamNYC.